as we come to God's word, let's pray together. Father, thank you for every single person who's here today. Thank you, God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you gave Jesus for each one here. And I pray that we would have a fresh revelation of that love today. And I pray that we would hear a word from you to our hearts today. That we would learn a little more what does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Over three weeks, I'm sharing a vision for Connect Church where I believe God is calling us in this season. And it's really about being true to who we are as an apostolic people. I believe apostolic people pursue the presence of God. Apostolic people make disciples. And apostolic people advance the kingdom. Last week uh, was about let's pursue God's presence. Because Christianity is fundamentally about the presence of God. And so when God invites us to seek him, will we answer? Will we be a people who pursue him? And today, again, we want to ask, what does an apostolic people do? Apostolic people make disciples. Where did I get that? I got it from Jesus. And you'll find it when you go to Matthew 28. Jesus gathers his 11 disciples for a final time in Matthew. He gives a single command to the church to guide it throughout its entire earthly history. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What's his command? Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, as I think about my own journey of ministry, I've tried to make disciples over the years. It started when I was a, a youth. I can remember my youth leaders saying, hey, David, do you want to lead a Bible study? And I answer like really and and they kind of threw me in the deep end and I started leading a Bible study and probably didn't call it that at the time but I was making disciples and then leading a camp with that same youth group as a pastor I taught on discipling new Christians we launched alpha courses we did home groups I even worked with a team to develop uh, a two-year curriculum uh, around discipleship but as I have studied the topic of discipleship this week, it's blown up in some ways, everything I've thought about. I've been confronted with the heart of discipleship and that it's so much more than a Bible study or a class. One of the people who confronted me with the heart of discipleship is a man I want to introduce you to. He wrote a letter to his church while he was on the way to the, his place of execution. What would you write in that letter? He was on the way to Rome to be fed to wild animals in the Colosseum for his faith. His name is Irenaeus. So as he faces impending martyrdom, these are his <coughs> words. Now... I begin to be a disciple. He had been a church leader for years and years. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let fire and cross, herds of beasts, broken bones, dismemberment come upon me. 
so long as I attain to Jesus Christ. Now I begin to be a disciple. Ignatius is reminding us of something, that when you're a disciple, you're committing to unreservedly follow Jesus. And maybe, maybe it was because he lived in such close chronological proximity to when Jesus had actually died, and, and Peter was one of the leaders in, in the church in his city, the Apostle Peter, who was martyred before uh, Irenaeus. Maybe he, he lived in the light of the sacrifice that Jesus made differently than we do. And he just felt like following Jesus meant being ready to die. And that was part of his learning. And, and he did that freely because he knew that what he gained is so much better. And in Connect Church, we exist to make disciples. But I realize we can't think about making disciples first. First, we need to ask, what are we making? We need to grapple with, what is a disciple? And if something's hit me the most this week, it's, it's that the, over here is my sanitized Canadian Western categories of discipleship. And over here is the New Testament version of discipleship. And in the middle, there's this gulf. And I wonder how we can cross that, how we can take the words of Jesus and let them shape us in a way that makes us true disciples. So it, today's message is, is this. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. If you are a disciple, you are two things. You're radically committed. And if you're a disciple, you are, despite yourself, growing and progressing. And finally, if you're a disciple, you know that what you give up is nothing to what you gain. So first of all, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. The first question we need to answer is, as a Christian, is discipleship optional? Is it optional? We know all about options. You're on the phone to get some service done, and they ask you, will you take a survey after? Mm, no. You are booking a plane ticket and they offer you, would you like to upgrade to first class? Uh, I'd like to, but can I afford to? No. Uh, you are at Subway getting a sandwich and they say, would you like a cookie and a drink with that? Definitely. But we're all about options. Is discipleship sort of a Christian upgrade? Dallas Willard tells a true story about a pastor who taught on discipleship. And a lady came to him afterwards, and, and the lady says, Pastor, I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a disciple. I like my life the way it is. I like that Jesus died for my sins, and I'll be with him when I die. Why do I have to be a disciple? What would you say? Is discipleship optional? Well, the New Testament... <clears throat> speaks to this. First, if we look at the, the key words it uses for Christians, I, I did a little hunting. So Christians are called brothers and sisters. Guess how many times? More or less than 100. More than 100. 120 times. We're called believers. Guess how many times? More or less than 100. Less, actually. 50 times. We're called saints. Do you know how many times we're called saints? More or less than 100 times. 
It's only once. No, actually, no, 60 times. We are saints. That means we're holy. Despite everything we've done. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel. You're a saint. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a saint. But, but do, you know what, do you know how many times, do you know in the New Testament, how many times you are called a disciple? Is it more or less than 100 times? It's more. Oh, more or less than 200 times. More. 290 times we're disciples. If you add them all up, guess what? We're called disciples more than we're called saints, brothers and sisters, or believers. Add it up together. How did we miss that? We're disciples. And do you know, do you know how often the word Christian is used in the New Testament? More or less than 100. More or less than 10. More or less than five. Three. Three times, okay. Now, is anyone, if, if you want to know, is, is a Christian a disciple necessarily? Do you have to be a disciple to be a Christian? Here's, here's a verse, actually, that answers that explicitly. It's Acts eleven twenty six. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Just kind of an aside, isn't it? But it's telling us something. What is a Christian? It's not a sub-level of, you know, our faith and disciples a higher level. A Christian is, is just another name, actually kind of an unusual name at the time, for what? A disciple. The only reason they could be called Christians was because they were disciples. Wow, you can only be called a Christian if you are a disciple. Just let it sink in. So it's, it's like this. Go to the music store this week, buy a piano, take it home, stick it in your living room, come to church, tell everyone, I'm a piano player. <laughs> we'll say, really, when did you start playing? Oh, I'm not actually playing the piano, but I bought a piano. Are you a piano player? You're not, but when you go, you get some lessons, you start practicing, guess what? You may not have got very far, but what are you now? You're a piano player. You can wear the name. And we can wear the name Christian because we're actually living as a disciple. We're actually doing the stuff of a disciple. You might have just started. It might be kind of messy. You might have been doing it for years. But it's because you've actually taken the steps that you can wear the name. So if you become a Christian, don't just call yourself a Christian. Call yourself a disciple. Now we're going to get to the next question. What is a disciple? What does this actually mean? It means a learner or a follower. We're learning Jesus and his ways. We're following Jesus. But I don't know about you. I feel like learner is kind of vague. What kind of learner or follower? I want to ask us, can we do this? Can we let the Gospels answer the question, what does that learner look like? In Jesus' own words, in his own actions. And we're going to look at the fact that discipleship is a radical commitment. That's kind of part one. And then the fact that it's in spite of yourself, you're going to grow. Part two. So first, is it's a radical commitment. Let's look at these verses from...
Matthew 8, 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. In Mark 8, 34-35, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. I think that works. The disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. We could go on, but there's a few little sound bites from Jesus. What is a disciple? What is it? How would you put it in your words, having read that? I can go if you don't. Does it mean you're not on the fence? Does it mean you don't have like one foot in, but one foot out? Both feet in? You've made a radical commitment to Jesus to the exclusion of all others. And when I read the absolute statements the Bible makes about discipleship, I wonder how did we ever go from from this to, to the version of Christianity that I've been immersed in my whole life. Uh, have we put too much emphasis on grace? I don't think you can overemphasize grace. I don't think you can overemphasize grace. I think maybe we've put too little emphasis on grace. Because I think a radical revelation of grace probably is going to make radical disciples, but could we be, we've sometimes put all the emphasis on what we know of grace and just a little bit on discipleship? Is that what we do some, sometimes? Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can we offer Jesus as Savior without also offering him as Lord? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and this is doing that, offering a Savior without a Lord, is something Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a 20th century German theologian, had a, a name for. It. 